We're going to start. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Power Parish. Today is Wednesday, February 9th, 2022, and I'm excited to be here with you to study some Torah. So without further ado, let's begin. Let's jump in. I'm going to share my screen. Let's go through reading number four. So Torah portion is Tetzaveh, and we've been talking about, this is the second Torah portion in which is discussed the commandments regarding the building of the Mishkan, the building of the tabernacle. Last week was mainly the hardware. This is not software as much as it is other things. This is not the, we're not talking about the vessels or the, the structure, the walls, the curtains. This is more about the clothing, the garments, and about the Kohanim, about the priests themselves, right? What are they, what, what, what was their, how were they inaugurated? What were they told to do? What did they have to do, et cetera? The, this is where uh, this Torah portion the, and the, re, the reading goes to. So Exodus chapter 29, verse number one, God tells Moses how to sanctify them. In other words, how to inaugurate them as priests. And this is the thing that you shall do for them to sanctify them, to serve me as Kohanim. So just a quick aside, we, we described yesterday that the Kohanim, maybe even two days ago, consisted of initially Aaron, Moses' brother, the high priest, and his son serving as, four sons serving as priests. Five Kohanim, one of them, which was not just a Kohen, but a Kohen Gadol, the high priest. And this would be how they are to be sanctified. Take one young bull and two rams, perfect ones. And then take unleavened bread, Oh, matzah. We spoke, we spoke about matzah before the class. Matzah, mishime matzah, hame matzah. This was hame matzah. Take unleavened bread and unleavened loaves mixed with oil. And unleavened wafers anointed with oil. Different types. There's unleavened bread, unleavened loaves, unleavened wafers. What, what's the difference? Maybe Rashi says. Let's see if Rashi gives us some insight about this. Um, yeah, we're going to look at this in a second. You shall make them out of fine wheat flour. So you use fine wheat flour, only the best, King Arthur or whatever it is. And then it's a joke. You take the best fine wheat flour and mix it and create these different types of items. So Rashi says these refer to three types of matzah, scalded dough, loaves, and wafers. So Talmud says in Menachot, maybe there it breaks it down even further what exactly each one was. Um, the unleavened bread is what is called further in the section loaf of oil bread. Why? Because Moses would put as much oil into the scalded dough as in the loaves and the wafers. And of each type of unleavened bread referred to here, 10 loaves were brought. So 10 of each, 10 loaves of unbreaded bread, 10 loaves of unleavened, lo unleavened loaves with, mixed with oil, and 10 of the unleavened wafers. Um, yeah, mixed with oil. What does that mean? When the bread was flour, he would pour oil on them and mix them. I guess that means before it was made into some sort of situation, before it was made into some food item, before it was baked or whatever, it was mixed with oil. And unleavened wafers anointed with oil. What does it mean anointed with oil? After they were baked. Moses would anoint them like the sort of a Greek chaf which, which resembles our, I don't know if it's chaf, I don't know how to pronounce that, which resembles our Hebrew letter of the alphabet, nun. So it's like, uh, you would make like a letter on, the, uh, on these unleavened wafers. You would make that, that letter with, uh, 
with oil. Do a dash of oil in the shape of a letter. Let's continue. You shall place them upon a basket. So take these loaves, three types, 10 of each, as Rashi said. So 30 different loaves or wafers or whatever items. Put it on a basket and you shall bring them in the basket together with the bull and two rams that we mentioned before in verse number one. And you shall bring Aaron and his sons near the entrance of the tent of the meeting and you shall bathe them in water. They need to go into the mikvah. And you shall take the garments, the priestly garments, and clothe Aaron with a tunic, with the robe of the ephod and the ephod, and with the choshen, and you shall adorn him with the band of the ephod. You shall place the cap upon his head and place the holy crown upon the cap. So these are all eight garments. They should be eight. One, tunic, robe. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We're missing something. Oh, the pants. We're missing the pants. Can't forget about the pants. That was the last item mentioned in the instruction yesterday, and it seems to be the one missing here. All right, so who puts on the pants? Maybe Aaron puts on his own pants. Maybe Moses helps him get dressed. I don't know. But here, clearly, it's Moses in general that is helping clothe Aaron, even though Aaron's an adult. But somehow this process was, you know, kind of, you know, imagine we're like, you know, uh, somebody getting someone dressed for a special kid, not, a, not in like a private engagement, but I'm thinking of like, um, like a ceremonial dressing of someone. So it's done by, you know, the chief, by the leader. This is Moses dressing Aaron with the eight priestly garments. Um, you shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. Just be careful it doesn't go on the clothes, right? After making such beautiful clothing, imagine if you get all oil stains all over it. So they poured some on the head, they rubbed it into the forehead, and that was it. And Rabbi, should, did, did yeah. Moses have any special garments? No. 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 I mean, not that is not not that's detailed in the Torah by obligation. He might have, you know, I don't know what he was sporting, but you know, he he might have been wearing something interesting, but nothing obligated by biblical law, only the priests. And you shall bring his sons near, in other words, the regular Kohanim, his sons, the four sons, Nadav Avihu. Itamar, and you shall clothe them with tunics and gird them with sashes, Aaron and his sons. You shall dress them with high hats and the kuhuna. Oh, again, leaving out the pants, tunics, sashes, high hats. Okay, also pants. And the kuhuna, the priesthood, will be a perpetual statue for them. And you shall invest Aaron and his sons with full authority. That means priestly authority. Okay, let's stop here for a second and toggle Rashi, and let's see if we can get some information that we need. Bring them to the courtyard of the Mishkan. The day it will be erected. Bathe them. That means immersing, immerse, the immersion, the immersion of the entire body, immersing the entire body in the water. That's what we know as. That's what we know as the mikvah, right? The whole body goes in the water, and that is the mikvah. Um, you shall adorn. Uh, and affix the belt and the apron around him, the holy crown. That was the show plate, the forehead that had the, the bands that went above and the sides. That's referred to as the crown, even though it was more, what's, what was more prominent was the forehead band um, upon the cap. Uh, we're not going to get into that. We skipped that yesterday. We're just going to get again today. Anointing oil poured on his head. Again, the anointment was also like the sort of a Greek chaf. 
Um, Moses would apply oil to Aaron's head and between his eyebrows and join them with his finger, which means kind of like a V shaped. Boom, boom. He would take the oil, pour, pour a little bit of oil. We're not talking about dousing someone in oil. This is not an episode of Nickelodeon, you know, or whatever it is. We're like, oh, slimed. No, this is not like you're oiled. It's not the objective here. You pour a little bit of oil, and then Moses takes his hand or his fingers and makes like almost like the way I draw a bird in my um, the extent that my artistry is uh, stick figures. So the way I draw a bird is also like, like, I don't know how to describe that, like a V type thing for all our radio listeners and podcast listeners. We're not on the radio podcast listeners, right? Like a little uh, swoopy V, boom, boom. So that's what he did from one eyebrow down and then the other one. Let's continue. Um, okay. Actually, I'm wondering if it maybe was this way, not down, but maybe up from one eyebrow up to this, to the forehead and then down again to the other eyebrow. Either it was down or it was up. I'm not sure which one. It's discussed somewhere. I just don't remember. All right. And you shall, okay, let's talk about dressing them, and we, which we did talk about that. The kuna will be a perpetual statue. Okay. So he says, this investiture will be eternal kuhuna. They will serve as priests forever, for all time. You shall invest through these things, Aaron and his sons, with the, with the fulfillment and the appointment to the kuhuna. Okay. A lot of talk about this position and appointment. And I think we're, I think we got it. Let's get back inside to the animals. You shall bring the bull. Just to be very clear, what are we talking about here? We're talking about the day of the inauguration, the first day, opening day. How do you, or maybe even before opening day, how do you inaugurate the priests into the service? There's a ceremony. Here's the ceremony. There's a ritual immersion in the mikvah. Then there's a dressing. Moses puts on these garments. I suspect that they put on their own pants for modesty purposes. And then afterwards, Moses dressed them with the other garments. Um, and then the animals, animal offerings. You shall bring the bull to the front of the tent of meeting. That means outside the building, but toward the front. And Aaron and his son shall lean their hands upon the head of the bull. Okay. You shall then slaughter the bull before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting, again, outside the tent. Out the tent, by now we all know what the tent is, right? That's the, the covered structure. There's the outdoor space and the smaller covered structure. Outside the structure, right outside is where this was supposed to happen. The bull is brought, the bull is slaughtered. You shall take some of the blood of the bull and apply it on the horns of the altar with your finger. Which altar? The outer altar. There was an altar outside, there was an altar inside, only used for incense. Only to be only for aromatics. That's the inside, right? A little lavender. I'm kidding, right? That's we know lavender is nice, but that wasn't the the incense. Um, incense had other things in it, but this is not the inner altar. This is the outer altar. The outer altar is where the animal sacrifices and the other sacrifices were brought. Other offerings were brought. So the bl the blood is applied to the horns, the corners. We said before in the construction of the altar, God's vision was to make two. Make, sorry, four protruding corners called horns so apply the blood to the horns of the altar with your finger and you shall pour out all the blood upon the base of the altar we're going to get back to rashi in a moment on this but let's continue you shall then take all the fat that covers the innards and the diaphragm and the liver and also the two kidneys and the fat that is upon them and burn them make them go up and smoke upon the altar that means burn them on the altar 
So there's a fire on the altar. And the animal sacrifice, some of the blood goes on the corners and some of the blood is poured by the base of the altar. And then some of these internal elements of the animal are burned. They go up and smoke upon the altar. But the flesh of the bull, it's hung and it's dung. You shall burn in fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. So some of the things you burn inside the temple, inside the Mishkan. But some things of this sacrifice, the flesh, the hide, the dung, is burned in a fire outside the camp. And this is a sin offering. You shall also, and, sorry, not also, you shall, and you shall take the one ram. Let's get the animals down, Pat, one second. In verse number one, we said one bull and two rams. So we talked about the bull. The bull was slaughtered, and some of it was burned on the, on the altar. Some of it was burned outside the camp. Got it. So that's the bull. What about the two rams? So we talk about ram number one. You shall take the one ram, ram number one, one of two, and Aaron and his son shall lean their hands upon the ram's head. This is known as smicha. They put their hands on the ram's head. You shall slaughter the ram. God tells Moses, this is what should happen. You shall slaughter the ram and you shall take its blood and sprinkle it on the altar all around. It doesn't specify the horns of the altar. It just says around the altar. And you shall then dissect the ram into its parts. You shall wash its innards and its legs and put them with its parts and with its head. And you shall make the entire ram go up in smoke upon the altar. It is a burnt offering made to the Lord. It is a spirit of satisfaction, a fire offering to the Lord. This is not a sin offering. When it came to the sin offering, take the majority of the animal and do it outside, not inside the tabernacle space, not on the altar, outside in another fire, burn it. But when it comes to the first ram, ram number one, it's not a sin offering. It's not a sin offering. It's a burnt offering. It's an ola. An ola is a burnt offering, a fire offering, a complete offering. In Leviticus, this is discussed at length. The ola is the offering that is completely burned on the altar. And thus, it was here as well. Now, what I want to do is I want to get ahead of the curve because tomorrow is Thursday. We don't have DBP tomorrow because we have JLI. And then Friday is Friday. And so let's, uh, let's continue. Reading number five. And you shall take, hold on one second. I believe that I wanted to do Rashi's and I didn't get to the Rashi's. Give me a second. Um, okay. Here we go. Where did you sprinkle the blood of the bull? On the horns, on top, actually on the horns. Not on the sides, but on top of the horns. That's where the blood was applied. And the remaining blood is poured upon the base of the altar. What does that mean? What's the base of the altar? So Rashi says, it's a sort of protruding receptacle that was made all around the altar after it was elevated a cubit from the ground. So they made, basically, they made like a drain type thing, a receptacle somewhere where when you pour the blood, it would hold it, some sort of receptacle. We would need a picture to visualize it perhaps accurately, but some sort of protruding receptacle in which was poured the remainder of the blood. Rashi breaks down anatomically the parts of the animals that were meant to be burned on the altar. Um, okay, Rashi clarifies. We do not find any reference to an outside sin offering burnt except this one. Okay, this is burnt. This is the one that's burnt outside. Um, I think we're good. I'm, I'm okay with these Rashi's. I don't think uh, I'm okay skipping them. Let's go fifth reading, Exodus chapter 29, verse 19. 
the saga, the story continues, or the instruction, more accurately, the instruction continues. Remember, this is not actually happening in real time right now. This is God telling Moses how to inaugurate his brother. And you shall take the second ram, and Aaron and his son shall lean their hands upon the ram's head. This is ram number two. You shall slaughter the ram, take some of its blood, and put it upon the cartilage of Aaron's right ear. Now it gets interesting. No longer is the blood being poured on the altar or sprinkled on the altar. Now you're taking some of the blood of the ram, ram two, and putting it on the cartilage of Aaron's right ear. And upon the cartilage of Aaron's son's right ears, upon the thumbs of their right hands, and upon the big toes of their right feet. And you shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar all around. Then you do sprinkle the blood around the altar, the remaining blood. Very interesting. So let's break this down. Where does the blood of the ram go? His right cartilage of his right ear. Cartilage would not be the earlobe, right? Cartilage is the actual. Am I wrong? Cartilage would be kind of the, the harder part of the ear. Correct? Is that correct? I think I'm right here. Yeah. Cartilage, maybe down here, whatever, somewhere around here, somewhere around the ear. Um, the right thumb and the right big toe. Good. And then the rest of the blood is sprinkled all around. You shall then take some of the blood that is upon the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it upon Aaron and upon his garments. So the blood, the oil, wow, talk about a stain. Can you imagine? Stain the garments, sprinkle it upon Aaron and upon his garments. Gewalt. We just sewed these garments out of gold and crimson and purple and blue wool, and it's gorgeous and whatever. And now, a little blood and oil. Man, reps from Tide are going to be very upset here. It's like, are you kidding me? You want us to get this out in the laundry? Anyway, um, sprinkle upon Aaron, upon his garments, upon his sons, and upon the garments of his sons with him. Thus, he will become holy, along with his garments and his sons and their garments with him. Not only are they going to be sanctified and consecrated and inaugurated in the service, but their garments will also be inaugurated into the priestly service. These, after all, the garments specified by God that need to be involved, present in the service. Without the garments, we said yesterday, the, the coin is a goner, finito. Forget about it. Can't go without the garments. <laughs> the garments are getting their inauguration here as well. Let's continue. Let's continue. About the second ram. What do we do with the second ram? Ram two. You shall take out of the ram the fat and the fat tail and the fat that covers the innards, the diaphragm of the liver, the two kidneys along with the fat that's upon them and the right thigh. All that gets taken out. For it is a ram of perfection. Yes, you are correct. We need to look at some Rashi's here to understand what this means. But this is what the Torah is saying. And... Don't forget, one loaf of bread, one loaf of oil bread on one wafer from the basket of matzah that stands for the Lord, and you shall place it. Oh, yeah. So take out, the, so take out all the stuff from the, from the second ram. Take one loaf of bread, oil bread, and one wafer from the basket of that 30, 30 loaves or whatever, and then you shall place it, these items, all upon Aaron's palms and upon his son's palms. They're holding now... The fat of the ram tail, the diaphragm of the liver, the two kidneys, the fat that covers the inners, the fat, etc., along with some loaves of bread. This is quite the scene. If you imagine this, quite the image. Maybe it was in some sort of 
container, I would hope. That there's something, some sort of container holding the stuff. And you shall wave them as a waving before the Lord. You shall then take them. Okay, so they, they wave it around. Yeah, all the directions. Then you, Moses, you shall then take them, take these items from their hands and make them go up and smoke upon the altar with the burnt offering as a spirit of satisfaction before the Lord is a fire offering for the Lord. So then you take these items of the animal and the three loaves of bread and the various permutations and you throw it all onto the altar and it goes up in smoke along with ram number one. So ram one was burnt in its entirety. Ram two Part of it was there was blood that was sprinkled and cartilage and whatever. And then some of the animals, some of the parts of the animal were pulled out, waved around, and then thrown on the fire of the altar. And you shall take the breast of the ram of perfection, which is Aaron's, and wave it as a waving, waving before the Lord, and it will become your portion. Yeah, that means you can eat it. You, meaning... Uh, the priests, I think the priests, and you shall sanctify the breast of the waving and the thigh of the uplifting, which was waved and which was lifted up of the imperfection of that, which is Aaron's and of that, which is his sons. I believe this means that they can eat it now. It's not thrown on the altar and it shall remain. And, and so it shall remain for Aaron and his sons a, as a perpetual allotment from the children of Israel, for it is an offering and it shall remain an offering from the children of Israel of their peace offerings, it is their offering to the Lord. So yes, it's brought on behalf of Aaron and his sons, but it's also considered to be brought from the people for their spiritual leadership. Okay, let's pause here by verse 29, and let's do some Rashis. Let's do this. Ah, what is the cartilage, the middle wall within the ear, which is known as... Tendron, tendrum, tenron, tenrum, or tenor, tenorus. Tendron. What is that? Yeah, I guess it's the, if you think on an animal, it's like, looks like the plastic. It's not a bone. Oh, the cartilage, yeah. Cartilage, yeah. What is it, the middle, the middle wall within the ear? What's the I think wall? it's. The, the, right yeah. here, where well, you're not supposed to touch, you know, when it goes. Oh, no, that sounds very deep. I would say yeah. maybe it's, I don't know. I don't think it's the inner ear. All right, we need we need pictures on this. We need some anatomical uh, drawing here. All right, the thumbs of their hands. Rashi says, yeah, it's the thumb, which we got in the translation. Um, I don't know that I want to get into the uh, the fats of the animal and all that stuff. Um, second. Oh, here we go. Uh, Ram of perfection. Muluyim, semeshlamim, an expression denoting perfection. What does that mean? It has been completed with everything. Scripture informs us that, that the perfection offering is a peace offering because it makes peace for the altar, for the one who performs the service, and for the owner. In other words, everyone gets a piece of the pie, so to speak. The altar, some of it is burnt on the altar, some of it goes to the Kohen, and some of it goes to the one who offered it. Um, I, I don't mean the one who actually offered it. That was the Kohen, but the one whom, who brought the animal initially, the owner of the animal. Therefore, I, God, require that the breast be given to the one who performs the service as a portion. And that was Moses. Ah, Moses got a piece of the animal who officiated at the investiture rites. And the rest was eaten by Aaron and his sons, 
were the owners of the sacrifice, as explained in the section dealing with this topic. Basically, in this case, this is not always, in the case of the inauguration, so some of the animal of the second ram was burnt on the altar, which we mentioned, right? Some pieces were pulled out and then waved around and then thrown on the altar. But some was eaten by Moses, who brought the offerings. I need to clarify this. I'm jumping to, I'm jumping a little bit in. Okay, let me back off for a second and tell you that in the inauguration ritual, Moses served as the Kohen almost. Just like the Kohanim would be the ones doing the service, when it came to inaugurating the ones who would do the service, who did the service? You understand what I'm saying? Who does the service when you're inaugurating the ones who need to do the service? Who inaugurated the Kohanim? The answer is Moses. For seven days, there were seven days of inauguration. For all seven days of inauguration, Moses served as the Kohen of the priests. He was the one that did the service. And after those seven days, he hung up his service. He never did it again. At that point, the Kohanim, the priests, they ran with it. They did the service. But for those seven days of inauguration, Moses did it. Thus, he got a piece of the offering during those seven days of inauguration. The altar got the part of the ram. He got part of the ram as being the one who brought it, kind of like the Kohen in this, in this context. And of course, the, one, the ones for whom it was brought, the actual Kohanim, Aaron and his sons, they got a piece of the action as well. All right, I hope that makes sense. Back inside, and one loaf of bread, one loaf of oil, bread, one wafer, those were brought as well for the waving. Okay, wave, wave offering. Both of them were engaged in the waving, the owner of the animal and the Kohen. How so? The Kohen placed his hand under the owner's hand and waved. In this case, Aaron and his sons were the owners, as I just said, and Moses was the Kohen. Okay. During the seven days of inauguration, Aaron and his sons were like the owners of the offering, and Moses was the one actually facilitating the service. And they, thus, the facilitator, the owner would hold it, like Aaron and his sons in this case would hold it in their hands. Moses would put his hand on top and on bottom. They would all wave it together. So there were two sets of hands, right? Aaron's, let's say, and his sons, and Moses. Do the wave, throw it on the fire. Oh, as a waving. What does that mean? He would wave it to and fro to the one to whom the four directions of the world belong. The waving keeps back and does not and does away with punishment and harmful winds. The lifting up consisted of raising and lowering to the one to whom the heavens and earth belong, and it keeps back harmful dues. Interesting symbolism, right? You move it around the directions that keeps at bay the negative winds negative uh, winds blowing. So not literal, but metaphysical, right? And lifting up, and then you pick it up and down, up and down, that motion keeps away harmful dews. Who would have thought that some dew was harmful? All right, stay away from the harmful dew. Um, this class not sponsored by Mountain Dew. Let's continue, or maybe it is. With the burnt offering, with the first ram that you already offered up as a burnt offering, spirit of satisfaction, fire offering. Okay, all that stuff is Um, okay, I think we got it. Verse 29. Let's, uh, let's get Rashi toggled off. Let's get back inside. Verse 29. The holy garments that are Aaron's shall be for his sons after him. Interesting. The high priest garments should go to his sons. 
to be exalted through them and invested with full authority through them. In other words, this is something that's going to go on for generations and one generation pass it to the next. Seven days shall the one of his sons who will be the Kohen in his place wear them. Talking about the next generation high priest. The one who is to enter the tent of meeting to serve in the holy. Yeah. In other words, when a Kohen Gadol passes away, And his son becomes appointed as the next, or whoever, um, as the next Kohen Gadol, high priest. They should also have seven days of inauguration. You shall take the ram of perfection and cook its flesh in a holy place. The same ram that we spoke before. We talked about some of it going to Aaron, some of it going to Moses, the one who brought it. And now some of it goes to the owners, to Aaron. Aaron and his son shall eat the flesh of the ram. And the bread that is in the basket at the entrance of the tent of meeting, the other 27 loaves, three were burnt on the altar, one of each type. You still have nine of each, 27 total. Aaron and his sons, that's a big meal. Five people, five guys, a, a dad and his four sons knocking down 27 loaves of bread. I hope they were, I hope they were um, individual sized and not like a full like family sized uh, situation. They shall eat those things with which atonement has been effected in order to invest them with full authority to sanctify them. But a stranger, stranger, a non-Kohen shall not eat of them because they are a sacred thing. Any Kohen item, priestly item, is not allowed to be eaten by anyone else. If any of the flesh of the perfection offering, the second ram, or of the bread is left over until the next morning after that inauguration, what is left over, you're not allowed to eat anymore. You shall burn in fire. It shall not be eaten because it is a sacred thing. So shall you do to Aaron and his sons according to all that I have commanded you for seven days. You shall perform their investiture. I mentioned this before. It was a seven-day inauguration ritual. And a bull as a sin offering you shall offer up every day for the atonements. And you shall purify the altar by performing atonement upon it. And you shall anoint it in order to sanctify it. For seven days... You shall perform atonement upon the altar and sanctify it. Henceforth, the altar shall be holy, a holy of holies. Whatever touches the altar will be holy. So if something touches the altar, it no longer, even accidental, if it touches the altar, it becomes rendered, it is rendered holy and cannot be used for any mundane or non-sacrificial purpose. All right, let's, let's um, look at some Rashi's here. Rashi says, through the garments, he is invested with the kuhuna gedola, with the high priesthood. The garments help confer authority to the high priest. Seven days, seven consecutive days. So Rashi says, the, uh, the, um, the Kohen will, that will be in his place should wear them. The son who will arise from Aaron's sons in his place, the kuhuna gedola, the high priesthood, whom they will appoint to be Kohen Gadol. That's what we're talking about here. This teaches us, well, one of his sons in his places, teaches us that if the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, has a son who equals him, they must appoint him the son, Kohen Gadol, in his place after him. So you could look outside the family. I mean, it's still going to be inside the priestly family, but you could look outside the immediate son of the high priest to find the high priest, but only if the son is not worthy. If the son is worthy, that's your first option.
Okay. Um, holy place. What does that mean? The courtyard of the tent of meeting. That's where you cook the rest of the ram. Ram two. For these peace offerings were most holy sacrifices, which had to be eaten in the courtyard of the temple and tent of meeting or the courtyard of the temple and not in the camp or Israel or the city of Jerusalem. This is a camp of Israel or the city of Jerusalem. This is very important. When we said before that the priests are eating it, yeah, the priests eat it in a holy place. What does that mean? It means inside the Mishka, not inside the sanctuary building, but inside the perimeter of the courtyard, inside, yeah, inside the open air space, but it's still bounded by those outer walls. Um, So shall you do to Aaron and his sons, the Torah text, Rashi says, repeated this and doubled it to render it essential. Torah repeats it. Do this, do this, do this. Why? To make it urgent, urgent, to make it necessary. That if Moses omitted anything of all that was stated in this section, dealing with this matter, they, Aaron and his sons, would not be invested to be Kohanim and the service, their service would be invalid. If the inauguration doesn't go exactly as prescribed, then they're not real Kohanim. They're not real priests, and whatever they do is invalid. That's a big deal. Got to get it right. Um, for seven days, you shall perform their, this, their investiture in this manner and with these sacrifices daily. What we just said, that you bring 30 loaves of bread and three animals, a bull and two rams, and you do this, that, the other. There's waving, there's burning, there's eating, there's cooking. All this stuff, every day, repeated every day for seven days. That was the seven day. It's not like over the span of seven days, three animals were brought. Every day, three animals. Three animals were brought. Every day, 30 loaves were brought. Okay. Um, all right, I'm going to stop here. And I want to share with you a general co a comment, and then we're going we're gonna to conclude for today. Look, there's a lot of technical stuff. There's some symbolism in Rashi. There are symbolisms that are brought for all this stuff in the commentaries and in Kabbalah. But I want to share one idea, because the hour is late. And that is, when, when Moses was to put the blood on the right ear, the right thumb, and the right toe of the Kohen, there's a beautiful symbolism there. The message is, yes, you're about to become a priest, and Aaron, you're going to become a high priest, and you might feel, we spoke about this a few days ago, you might feel a little bit haughty, you might feel a little bit proud. The message is, always listen to the one in need. Remember that you're not here for yourself, you're here to listen and you're here to extend your hand to the other. And you're here that your toe, you should move, you should run to help someone in need, someone that needs your help. You are the spiritual representative between the people and God. Sure, sure. You're the chief spiritual officer of the people, CSO. I just coined that phrase now. Feel free to use it. You're the chief spiritual officer, CSO. Great. But never forget that your primary job is to listen to act and to run to help out a fellow Jew, to help out someone that is in need. That's your primary job. Your primary job as a spiritual leader is to actually care about someone in need, not to just be heads in the head in the clouds and you know stuck in some sort of sacred detached space, but to help the people. We know that Aaron famously did this. Aaron, the high priest, when he passed away, everyone cried for 30 days, men and women. Why? Because he was always about people. He facilitated peace between families and couples, neighbors, friends, not friends, whatever. He was the peacemaker. He never got his head too stuck in the spiritual spaces. He recognized that his job was on a very practical level to help people. 
and thus he did. All right, thank you very much for joining me today for DBP. Um, a bit of a shorter version, but a later version of DPP. Again, we're not here tomorrow, Thursday, February 10th. We're off for JLI. We're back Friday where we'll finish the Torah portion, please God, and maybe even get some Haftarah action. I would love to be able to do that, but we'll see how Friday uh, goes as Friday unfolds. All right. Thank you. It's a party. It is a party. Oh, tonight, Torah studies. Birthday. Speaking of birthdays, parties. Tonight, all about a birthday. We're going to ask the question. Core question tonight is, why don't we celebrate birthdays after our loved ones pass away? We don't find in Jewish custom that the birthday of a loved one who passed away is celebrated as a birthday. We don't throw a birthday party for the deceased. I, I'm not saying you can't, but it's not part of... There's a yard site. We celebrate, we mark the day of the passing but not the day of birth after passing. If that makes sense, what I'm saying. The question is, why not? And what does it mean for us? Beautiful ideas about birthdays and passing and life in general and purpose and mission. Coming up tonight at 7.30, I hope to see you there. All right, have a wonderful day. We'll see you soon. Take care. Bye, Donna. Bye, Sarah. Take care. Thank you, Rabbi. Pleasure.